You may be seated. One priest wrote that Palm Sunday is like the Trojan horse of the liturgical year. We're enthralled by the grandeur of the processional into the sanctuary, the waving of the palms, the shouting of Hosanna. And all the joy that's associated with the triumphal entry of the King of Kings rings out. And then, almost without warning, our senses are assaulted with the reality of the cross as we listen to the lengthy passion narratives. Tamar often asks me after Palm Sunday, how do you think it went? My answer is often, I think it was awkward. (laughs) Palm Sunday may be the most awkward service of the entire liturgical year because of the conflicting emotions that the day elicits. It's joyful yet sad, triumphant yet tragic, begun with euphoric praise and then plunged into suffering, finished with the Eucharist that includes the words, Christ has died, Christ is risen, Christ will come again. And we're not alone in the awkwardness. In Luke's narrative, right after the part about the triumphal entry, the shouts of that time are not even done ringing in people's ears. And Jesus is not even at the center of the city. Maybe he is still on the donkey. And he begins to weep. He begins to weep for the people of Jerusalem. The people who call themselves God. God's people. That were so waiting for the deliverance of God to arrive. Yet have missed the visitation of the Savior. Because they were waiting for somebody else. With a different message. All of this awkwardness caused one young crucifer whose responsibility it was to hoist the cross and lead the Palm Sunday procession into the sanctuary to turn to the priest before he began and ask, how am I supposed to feel about all this? It's a great question. How am I supposed to feel about all this? This is debated beginning tomorrow morning, if we're following in real time. The players in the grand drama of Holy Week begin to enter into a debate about how they should feel about all this. The religious leaders debate over Jesus' authority and right to enter as a king at all. Pilate and Herod have a friendly debate over who must decide Jesus' fate. The chief priest and Pilate debate over Jesus' guilt and innocence. The crowd holds a debate with itself. First taking the side of Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And then taking the side of crucify him, crucify him. Unless we let ourselves off the hook. 
Jesus' disciples, his closest friends, have a debate about who will be the grandest in his kingdom. But it is perhaps the last debate of Holy Week that is the one we should listen to today as we untangle our emotions. Two thieves being tortured to death on crosses of their own making are debating about who Jesus really is with the Messiah literally hanging in the balance. The debate is somewhat justified with these two thieves because crosses were reserved for the dregs of society. Did you catch it in the psalm? I'm a worm. That is not a statement of truth in fact it is a statement of position for those who were crucified on crosses this was not for the rich and famous these were the dregs those who deserve it and Jesus even if you didn't think he was a messiah or a king nobody doubted that he was a great rabbi nobody this was not in question he was a good teacher with followers in fact the Pharisees and the priest and Pilate and Herod would have been happy to give him that position. In fact, it would have made things really easy in Holy Week. Even a rabbi should not be on a cross. And so they're confused and begin to debate. The first criminal prefaces his desperation with a qualifying question. Are you not the Christ? Now, this is not really a question It is a debate point. He is trying to mock and manipulate Jesus into using his power to save all of the men on the crosses. Are you not the Christ? Like, if you are, get us all down. The first thief, in his most vulnerable and shameful and desperate state, acts out of what he knows. He acts out of his own selfishness and sin. He tries to cut a deal with Jesus using the means at his disposal, the only means that he has left. The belief that he can lie and taunt and cheat his way out of trouble with his mind and voice. The second criminal is no less desperate, but he seems to see Jesus for who he really is. The gospel writers don't tell us why. Maybe he was moved to be He was moved by Jesus' words, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Maybe the inscription over Jesus' head here is the king of the Jews caught his attention. We don't know why. But it is obvious in his rebuttal of the first thief that the second man, the second criminal, has taken stock of himself, that he has accurately self-assessed himself and his counterpart. And he states the gravity of their condition for all to hear. He says, we are receiving what we deserve. He defends Jesus. We are the dregs of society. We belong on the cross, is what the second thief is saying. But he hasn't done anything. The one thing these two criminals share is their desperation. They share their desperation. One tries to use force. The other admits his condition. 
All four gospel writers mention this scene in the Passion narrative. That is actually unusual in the Passion narratives. But all four writers, including John, who often skips these little details, includes the thieves. And I think that they are doing this to help us to contemplate two things today. The first is this. The evangelists are asking us to see ourselves as we consider these two robbers. We are meant to look at the scene at the crosses and to recognize our own desperate state before God. The cross makes us uncomfortable. It's hard to sit in the scene and watch Jesus being unjustly crucified. To hear the lies told about him. We'd rather skip the cross and run toward the empty tomb. We would rather disengage with Good Friday and focus on Easter Sunday. We would rather squirm out of the awkwardness of today. In order to fully experience the hope of grace and mercy that Jesus offers on the cross, we must be honest about our own desperation as we begin to ask the question, how should we feel about all this? I would offer to you that our first feeling has to be we're desperate. We must confess that we cannot manipulate or control or earn the hope that Jesus freely gives at the cross. We must come to the conclusion that we are the second thief. It's only when we recognize that we deserve to be there that this day and this week will make any sense at all. There's always a debate this week about who crucified Jesus. To say that it is anything other than us is bad history and bad theology. And so the second thief, after he realizes his desperation, turns to Jesus and asks, remember me. The request is audacious. Can you imagine the audacity? Remember me. The thief recognizes that Jesus is God, that he has the power of life and salvation. The thief is asking for Jesus to act on his behalf, remember me. I would like to encourage you this week that this is a good prayer for us. Remember me. We didn't pray today, but usually we pray the prayer of uh, the College for Purity at the beginning. I, I say it a lot because it sets the stage for what we do. Oh God, to you all hearts are open. All desires known. From you, no secrets are hid. And maybe we could sum up the rest of that prayer in a phrase. Remember me. I'm desperate. I can't hide. I need you. Now you may say, Brian, I would rather just think about the Hosannas and the first part of Palm Sunday. <laughs> Where's the good news? What's well, coming? Jesus gives it to us. 
You see, what was happening is the, is the, is the thief was really, he was, the Jews believed in resurrection, a future resurrection. They, they believed that people would be raised from the dead. This wasn't an uncommon idea for them. And so what the thief was saying to Jesus is, on that day in the future where things are resurrected, will you remember me? Like in the future? And Jesus says, no. Now, he doesn't say that word exactly, so if you're flipping through your Bible, Jesus doesn't say, yeah, I'll remember you sometime in the future. Jesus says, today, you will be with me in paradise. Today is where your help comes. Today is your resurrection power. Today is your time. I don't know, maybe he's going to talk to us right now. Let's see. (laughs) Sometimes we think that the cross is our ticket to live with Jesus sometime in the future. And believe me, that is part of our hope. Amen? But that at the cross, Jesus offers us a present hope. For those of us who are willing this week to say we're desperate and we need you, his answer will be today. Today. As your priest and your friend, I challenge you not to skip the conflicting emotions of this week. Don't skip it. It's easy to do, by the way. Uh, It's not easy for me. I have to be there every time. But it's easy to do. To skip the emotions. Don't do it. Well, how, how, do we, how do we avoid it? How can we enter in? How can we live in the tension of this week? Well, here's just a couple ways. First of all, can I just encourage you, really, come to Maundy Thursday and Good Friday. Come. It'll be easy to say all the way to Stepney. It's like five minutes. Okay, well, anyways, it'll be easy to say all the way to Stepney. Foot washing is... People we don't know, space we can't quite get our hands around. Don't do it. Come. In fact, could I just encourage you that it is these services are meant, they are designed to keep us off our game. They're designed to put us at the cross. It's good. Come. That's one way. Maybe another way is this week, you know, I don't know about you, but I'm ready for Lent to be over. Yeah, right? Like, can we all just agree that Lent could be over on Palm Sunday? I mean, it was happy. No. I'd like to encourage, actually, that we double down. I can't believe I just said that. Like, I don't want to do it either. But maybe we fast this week from the entertainment and the information that would distract us from the reality of the cross. Maybe we do that together. We just give ourselves a little space to do the third thing, to read every scripture starting tomorrow. When Jesus enters the debate over the temple and we end We end, as he says, it is finished. And let's start right now with two minutes of silence 
And let me ask you the question. Which thief are you? And before you answer, well, I'm the second thief. We're going to take two minutes and really ask the question. This is the time for honesty before God as we walk toward the cross. You bow your head and close your eyes. I'll watch the time. We adore you, O Christ, and we bless you. For by your holy cross you have redeemed the world. We bless you, Hosanna, God with us. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.